0: It's a real honor to be here and I'm very grateful to have a couple of minutes to, to share a brief story and it's, it's really our story. I look around this room and we've worked with many people in this, in this room. Uh, it's great to be all in the same place. Uh, but my story starts when I was an undergrad at Stanford, this was just a couple of years ago. I was a sophomore uh, in 2007 and I was sure that I was going to be a doctor. Uh, that was how I was going to be useful to the world um, and I figured I should sort of walk the walk in global health. And I ended up doing pediatric AIDS research at a hospital in rural Malawi. And at this hospital, uh, there was one doctor providing care for about a quarter million people. And patients were walking or ox-carting 100 miles to get to the hospital. Uh, And I met community health workers who were also walking 40 miles every week to hand deliver paper reports about patients in their communities. And I met one of these community health workers. His name was Dixon. Um, And I went out to Dixon's house, and he lived about 40 miles away. Uh, And I had better cell phone reception at Dixon's house with his family than I did in Palo Alto. And I sort of described that moment as getting sort of picked up off the couch and slapped across the face. And it was really clear that this was what we had to harness and use to try to improve outcomes. Um, So got back to Stanford, Public Service Center gave me a couple thousand dollars. Uh, I met Ken Banks when he was living out of a van on the edge of campus, creating some free and open source software called Frontline SMS put a hundred cell phones in a backpack, sort of smiled my way through customs on the way back to the hospital. Um, And we distributed cell phones and solar panels to these community health workers. And the text messages started flying and six months later, the hospital had doubled the number of patients they were treating for tuberculosis because they were doing active case finding. Um, They were doing emergency response for the very first time. They'd saved thousands of hours of travel time. And we looked at that um, and I got back to campus again And I I would not stop talking about text messages and community health workers. Anyone that would listen to me for five seconds was going to hear about it. Uh, I met one co-founder when we were talking in the lunch line at Stanford Medical School. Um, I met another co-founder, Isaac Holman, who's another delegate, when he commented on a blog post that I'd written, sort of e-harmony for social entrepreneurs. And (laughs) we decided in 2009, out of our dorm rooms, to launch Medic Mobile as a nonprofit technology company. And we were really forced to look at the challenges and the opportunities. The challenge was, and still is today, there are a billion people who will never see a doctor in their entire lives. On the flip side, uh, 90% of the world's population is covered with a cell signal. There are more cell phones in sub-Saharan Africa than there are in the United States. Um, And that was the infrastructure that we had to harness. So if you fast forward about three years now, it's been a really busy three years. Um, I can't believe it's been that long. we, we now work in 23 countries, mostly in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Um, and I wanted to talk about two, two projects really quickly. Um, the first is in India where we're running uh, one of our 10 randomized controlled trials. Um, and this is where we have our first data that I'm really excited to talk about. It was a really simple program. Um, vaccination coverage for children was around 60% in the first year of life. And what we did was we used a mobile app to register every child and then we sent text message reminders to the mothers and grandmothers at the household level. And if the kids missed their appointments, we sent an automated alert to the community health worker looking after that that cluster of houses. And we're now 14 months into the study and the vaccination coverage is at 99%. Um, And we're now scaling this across four other states in India. The second project, because I know we have a lot of folks from social media um, platforms here in the room, second project I think demonstrated to me most clearly the power of connectivity. Um, It was after the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, and 1% of the population was online. Around 1% of the population had a landline installed, but fully 75% had access to a mobile phone. Um, And we worked with the innovation team at the State Department, mobile operators, startups in the Silicon Valley, and a number of technology NGOs, mostly coordinating through Twitter and Skype, uh, to set up a short code that anyone could text to for free. And we went radio station to radio station in Port-au-Prince and let people know they could text their need and their location to 4636. The challenge was that the messages were in Haitian Creole and had vague references to location um, and our first responders spoke spoke English. And so we went back online and Twitter and Facebook and radio let us recruit 3,000 people, mostly Haitian diaspora, within 24 hours from all over the world who were mapping, translating, and categorizing every single message typically within a minute of them being received. And that was passing actionable reports to the US Coast Guard, the Marine Corps, the UN OCHA cluster system, um, as well as Red Cross. And it was the first time they had access to community-level data like that and information to guide their operations. And so past text messaging, for the last 30 seconds of this, if you, f- if you fast-forward a couple of years, you know, I get inspired I see our engineers using paper-thin microcontrollers that slide in underneath the SIM cards of cell phones to run applications that, that for treatment protocols on $10 cell phones. Um, I see temperature devices that plug into the headphone jack of mobile phones that we're shipping with vaccine boxes in Haiti and in Kenya to monitor vaccine uh, and cold chain in real time. Um, I see $1 Band-Aid monitoring devices with dual market strategies in the U.S. and abroad and fifteen dollar camera phone add-ons that will let us diagnose HIV, tuber- tuberculosis, malaria and do complete blood cell counts on the spot. Um, I think all of these things and all of this momentum and the evidence base that's building is the reason that we're, we're so optimistic and the reason that our, our team takes global health equity really seriously. Um, we really do believe and take seriously that you shouldn't shouldn't matter how the birth lottery went, whether you grew up in in rural Malawi, or were born in Northern Virginia, like I happen to be, um, that health is a human right. And if we can be helpful to you, or you want to talk more, please find me. Thanks a lot for your time.